Hello, East Glenville Community Church. This is episode 23. If so, I have a question. And today we're talking about uh, Pastor Mitch's conversation or his sermon from uh, Sunday, March 27th. And one of the biggest points of, or the main point really of your entire sermon was why it's worth following Jesus, even when it's hard and that like, it will be hard. And you kind of brought up five main points that Jesus talks about in this passage of as to why it's worth it. So the first one was, um, if we trust in the Lord in the rough times, then joy will return to us. Uh, the second was that joy will be greater than the pain. Uh, the third is we are included in the Father's plan to bring the kingdom. Uh, fourth is that we get peace that transcends our circumstances. And the fifth was in the end we win because Jesus has overcome the world. Yes. <laughs> so out of those five, um, and and they're not those are ones I kind of had to draw out of the text. Like I, mm -hmm. you know, they weren't just stated that way. But um, out of those five, is there one that that speaks to you most? Of that's a reason that I want to follow Jesus, even if it means I, I face some hardship along. Yeah, Which one I of those feels most to you? I think it's the, it's really actually for me, probably the first one uh, to trust in the Lord in the rough times and the joy will return. And just that, that yeah. trust that, or the, the promise that like, you know, I, I think you quoted some, yeah, some 30 of like, um, uh, weeping may, is that the weeping may remain for the night, but joy comes in the morning? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's also the same Psalm says, and he will turn my morning into dance. Yeah. Both of those quotes are in that Psalm. Yeah. And that makes sense that if you could just know, it's not going to last forever, you know, a little while, mm -hmm. you're going to, you're a little while, you're not going to see me. And then a little while you're, you'll see me and you'll, you'll have joy again. Yeah. And now Jesus was talking with his disciples about right after the resurrection, but I, I, I still see that throughout scriptures is, is mm -hmm. that promise, you know, in the morning, um, the Lord's mercies are new again. So I find, um, I don't remember which number, but it's the one that just says we're included in the father's plan that he, he wants us to be on his, his team. And, and that's so that, that quote, the long quote I took from the knowing God book by Packer, Mm -hmm. that was the gist of that. Like, as we know God, it's like, we know him most as he sort of brings us into like Winston Churchill did with his staff. Like you get to be a part of, of that, that work. And, and I think that makes it worth it. Like I'm, mm. I'm excited about having a role in serving in the kingdom. And so, yeah, if it gets hard, that's okay. I mean, I don't want it to be, I prefer <laughs> comfort ease security peace yep. um but you know what um it's worth it yeah and so i left out a reason and it's partially due to you <laughs> so uh last week we were you you brought up a different question about um how how it's not convincing or 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 using the fear of hell to try to convince people was just not, not what we should be doing. 
it's not effective. And, and so I, and he doesn't use that in this passage, but I kind of raise that as that's one reason people give to why it would be worth facing hardship. What I, I kind of want to ask you is like, why should we take that off the table? Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't we try to use the motivation of going to heaven or avoiding hell as a way to, to motivate people to stick with Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. I think I have kind of two, two main reasons. And the first is actually just that, like, to me, using the fear of hell um, can really be emotional manipulation, especially depending on how it's done. And I've been in a relationship, even it was actually just a friendship where that happened to me. And so I'm very sensitive to it. And I know how destructive and damaging it can be. And so that's, that's really my first reason is just the like, avoiding, like, avoiding presenting we don't need to use emotional manipulation to convince people that jesus is worth it um so we shouldn't use that tactic uh and then i think the other one is just that to me it doesn't give a full picture because the idea of a like get out of hell free card is so much less than even just the other you know five options that we or five reasons that we mentioned earlier like there's nothing, a get, out of free, a get out of hell free card is just something for the future. It's not about now. Whereas like I can have Jesus now, like Jesus, the Holy Spirit is dwelling with me now. And that's the whole point of heaven is that we get to be with God. And so I get to, if I have a relationship with Jesus now, then I get to taste some a fraction of that now. And I think okay. just focusing on the hell part of it, um, it doesn't actually give a real good reason as to why, like why Jesus is such an important part of my life. Mm. So how do you factor in then that, especially the parables that Jesus told that they really do have to talk about the final judgment and, and the sorting and some will be tossed into the fire and, you know, he'll, he'll bring the wheat into the barn and the weeds will, you know, the chaff will be burned in the fire, like that are clearly about judgment. Yeah, I'm not, God wouldn't be just if he didn't judge. And so I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to say, like, I'm not going to never talk about hell type of a thing. Like, but that's not going to be the main reason why I try to tell somebody that Jesus is worth it. Um, Because yeah, they, everyone will be judged and that is a future thing, but it's also like, yeah, it's also the concept, even in all those parables, all of the judgment comes from the consequences of our actions now. And, you know, God can, we can have that, if the whole entire book of Proverbs is pretty much like, you know, you do what's right now, and like God rewards you, and you do what's wrong, and you, you know, face the consequences right. of it. And even though that's not, a, you know, it's not, it's very black and white, but there is some truth to that. And so it's not even necessarily the future judgment, but it's the, like, I want you to be able to make better choices now. And the best way to make choices is by having Jesus help you make those choices. Okay. So, I don't know if that. Yeah. And Jesus taught those, especially thinking of the parables of Matthew that, that had to do with that is, is describing the kingdom that's coming mm-hmm. and that God is really giving an option for people to be a part of his kingdom. There is a, consequence to not getting in 
right. you know, so the reality of judgment. And I could just maybe even add one reason that I sort of thought of as you were talking about, about the downside to trying to, in a sense, use hell as a motivation for, to get people to get saved is, is I've, what I've seen is people then will do the absolute minimum they can do and still get into heaven or still, you know, it's like, well, tell me, tell me how, how, how much, how much can I be forgiven for again? You know, how, how much, how far can I go and still be good? Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and versus these other motivations that, that are just saying, but, but don't you want to be a part of the, the grand plan of God's bringing his kingdom into this world? So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Um, I agree. I, I noticed you were more passionate about it than, than me. Cause I, I have seen, the re- I guess I would just say I've seen the reality of facing judgment can be in itself a positive motivation. Like it can wake people up mm-hmm. to a truth. And um, and maybe there's different ages where sometimes people need woken up from the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, ages of prosperity where people are so focused on their own pleasures and security and maybe they need to be woken up to the fact that maybe they're not in as secure a spot as they think. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we're in that kind of age right now. Um, we're in an age where people need to be convinced that, that Jesus has something to offer, you know, that he is bringing good into this world. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> um, what else we got? Yeah, so another question I had, and this is something that I just, when I was reviewing the text, I noticed, and you didn't bring it up in your sermon, but uh, so after Jesus talks, I think it's the the first um, time he tries to talk to them. And so like, you know, uh, you'll see me for a little long, while longer and then you won't see me and then a little while longer, you'll see me again. And the disciples kind of just like talk amongst themselves and like, right. And the only other time I remember the disciples talking amongst themselves and then Jesus calling them out and be like, why are you talking about yourselves among this? And like trying to further explain it was when uh, the, like they were talking about who was the greatest. So I was kind of curious as to like why they thought this, like maybe Jesus wasn't approachable on this subject. Okay. Well, um, there's one other. It's oh. when they're arguing about who, who forgot to bring bread. And they talk about the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Okay. So it actually seems to happen somewhat often. And I mean, I, I, what I wonder here, as I think this is a, more of a conversation, and Jesus can see, like, I don't know if this is quite the same as they're, they're arguing along the road about who's the greatest, where Jesus overhears. Mm. I think this is more of a continual conversation. And I've been in those spots where like I'm saying something and I could see it in the eyes of the people. They're not getting it. And I have to try again. Mm. That's how I sort of see this passage going is he, he takes a try a little while and, and like they didn't get it, you know, maybe they're kind of whispering to each other, but, but this is not a, yeah. And then Jesus, okay, let's try Let me try to explain this a little bit better. And then he goes to the second try, the metaphor and, you know, maybe then he realizes oh, they still don't, they, they're still not gay. Like, um, and so let me speak plainly to you. <laughs> well, I okay. Came so- the father, <laughs> I came in this, into the world. I'm going to 
back to the fall. I'm leaving this world. Yeah. So. Well, that actually brings me to another question. Cause like, I don't know, maybe like for me, the first two make the most sense, <laughs> but like Jesus said, he like spoke plainly for that third one, but then the only part of it that the disciples actually like repeat to Jesus is the like, Oh yes, we know you're from the father. And I'm like okay. kind of dubious as to if they actually got it. Yeah, maybe they got what they needed to know. Okay, is is that he he came from the Father? He knows what he's doing, mm. right? That okay. that that what is about to happen next is not an accident. It's not a tragedy. And I think that's what the emphasis is: is that Jesus is is trying to get across without telling. I mean, he did tell them and in, in other places we see there he said you know i will be suffer i'll be rejected and all this stuff and and i know at least a couple times he specifically referenced rising from the dead mm-hmm. um and maybe john is summarizing the conversation and some of that took place here or maybe john just took what what he caught out of it mm. um, but I, I think i think the aspect of it is that this idea that it's not a tragedy. I'm going back to the bottle. That the, what you're you will see next is part of the plan, and um, so I, I, that's what I feel like Jesus wants them to get get away with. I agree with you. I don't think they get it, um, because they're still at after his crucifixion. They're still confused. Mm-hmm. Um, none of them seem to get the resurrection, and um, you know, at least at first, you know, the, when the women come and tell them, um, then they, you know, John and John's story, James and or John and Peter go check it out. And then Peter's still not sure what's going on. It's then it says, and at that point, John believed mm-hmm. John's the first one of the 12, according to his own story, <laughs> the one that understands it. Um, but, but even then like, okay, I think they just had to go through it before they were going to get it. And Jesus tries to stick some things in their head so that as they're going through it, it's going to help them process it. Mm. Yeah. So, but you're right. They, they don't get it. And I don't know if I would have. Yeah. Don't know. Yeah. Pete, uh, you know, Paul, well, that's it. I made the point too that, that these guys weren't, they weren't Bible scholars. Like they weren't rab- rabbinical students in training. At least we don't know of any, you know, right. Um, right. We actually know that the, the fishermen, there's that background and tax collector. So, you know, what, it'd be interesting. Like what would have Paul, if he would have been one of the disciples back then, you know, would he have been more quick to see it? I, I don't know because it's only when Jesus appeared to him, Rachel, that, that, that everything clicked in for Paul. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I got another question. Okay. Um, okay. So there are, there are some people who will say that like God promises Christians good things in this life, but you, you know, very explicitly pointed out that like the promise that Jesus says here is that we will face trouble. And mm. so I'm kind of wondering, like, 
is there a spot where Jesus like specifically says like, oh, like you'll have good things in this life or like, and can those two promises like live in tandem or intention? Mm. So I didn't quote it. I thought about it is um, John 10, 10, where Jesus says, um, I have come that you might have life mm. and have life abundantly. And so that's a, even that's a bit nebulous. Okay. Life, life to the full life abundantly. That means I think you get more of good and bad. And so I think there's that. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of what else did he, he promised. I mean, he says, I'm the truth. What do you get with me? You, you get to live in the truth, not in lies. Mm-hmm. That's something. I mean, have you seen The Matrix? I That's, have not, but I know the concept. <laughs> I've seen. Yeah, the, the the key idea is the one guy. Do you do you want the truth and uh, and you know be pulled out of the Matrix, or do you want to just live in the Matrix and you know? So, I think that's there's that aspect. I'm, I'm thinking offhand. Um, so. Obviously, there's a promise of, of good things in life. It's just not always the same things that we tend to want apart from Christ. Mm. Um, you know, John, in his letter, would say, do not love the things of this world. If you love the things of this world, you won't have the love of God in you. Mm-hmm. And I think what Jesus does is when we give him ourself, our heart, our life, our, our inner being, we start to love the things he loves. And so our life is better. But if we, you know, if before we were awakened to that, I don't know if we would have said, oh, that's better. Right. You know, because we'll just see what we miss out on. You know, we're missing out on, on, you know, no rules about sex and, and accumulate everything you want. And, you know, um, you could, climb the corporate ladder and get rich and you know where so in other words i think he's got to change our heart affections in order for what he's offering us to seem good to us Hmm. but that's a hard question jessica i tried easy ones (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know if this one's easier but it, it will be a good question uh so kind of on a similar vein so you know, you, you mentioned that, and as you said earlier too, in this conversation that like one of the best uh, benefits we get is that we get to work with Jesus, with the father in the bringing of his kingdom. And that like, that's a big part of what it means to follow Jesus. And so I'm kind of curious, like if a person doesn't actually include like if their spiritual life or their life with Jesus doesn't actually include that aspect of like taking part in the bringing of the kingdom and doing God's work like are they are they really following Jesus well um hard to say what I would say is this is we all come initially because of our needs and wants, because because we are looking to fulfill some recognized need in ourselves. And mm-hmm. Jesus invites that. 
He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He invited the poor, the broken, the hurting, the lost. And they weren't coming for noble reasons. They were coming because they sensed their need for Jesus. Hmm. What I think he does is as he meets that, that need that we come to him with, he then begins to turn us and challenge us to then go beyond just meeting our own needs and in, and in turn join him in this work. And so I think that person who, who maybe is just trying to, to you know, well, I, I come to Christian stuff for what I need of me. And, and I think ultimately they will be challenged and maybe even allowed to not experience fulfillment. Hmm. Like maybe they'll be coming to stuff and, well, there's no joy here. And then they'll have to come to a decision. Do they press on and really seek a deeper level of Christ? Or will they say, well, that's not meeting my needs. Maybe I'll try Buddhism. So I, I think, I mean, how many times did Jesus encounter people and say, you know, come, come follow me in this way, like leave behind these other things and follow me. And so maybe that's not our first encounter. Our first encounter is, Lord Jesus, I am a mess. I need forgiveness. I need, I need, you know, whatever. And he, he comes and has compassion on us, you know, has a compassion on the, the, the crowd and the saw that they were harassed and helpless, like, like sheep. So he, he gave them bread. But when they came the next day, he's like, all right, there's more to this than me just handing you bread. So, um, and when they heard that, some walked away. Does that answer your question? Do you, do you have any thoughts on your own question? Because I think it's a good one. No, I, I think I think you answered it. And because I think it can be, it can be hard for, or it can be easy for a lot of people. And you might've mentioned this. It might not have been this week. It might've been last week of like how sometimes people just kind of become Christians, quote unquote, by association. Like, oh, I, I grew up this way or something like that. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think that, I mean, I remember in university, it was one of those things where it's like the, one of the ways that we best learn the gospel is by sharing it. Um, because you have to, in order to be able to reiterate it, you have to actually fully understand it. And so, um, to me, it's just like the more I, I go deeper with Jesus, the more it just kind of flows out of me to be kind of, as you said, like to be his love where I've received love or to be his hands and feet where I've received help and stuff like that. Yeah. So when, you know, when you see faith without works, it can seem kind of dead as uh, who was that? Right. And sometimes that's a person just they're, 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 still so hurting or, or I don't know why, but like maybe they're still um, f- getting filled up themselves in some way. That's mm-hmm. a bad analogy, but you know, that there's still something blocking giving out. Um, but you really see throughout scripture enough, you know, I, I think of Philippians two, you know, it says, if you have any comfort from Christ, if any tenderness and compassion like if if you have the joy of the fellowship that we have as believers then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love like getting people to think about what have they received and are they yet now willing to start giving away Mm -hmm. yeah and i think you bring up the good 
kind of reality of the fact that like we can't we can't look at a person and say like oh clearly you are or aren't a follower of Jesus like that's that's something that only Jesus can really decide type of yeah thing. yeah like, and I, I mean I, you think of the rich young ruler comes about like you know come follow me it's there just take mm-hmm. it oh yeah sell everything you got but so and I think we're told not to judge whether people have are actually followers or not sometimes, you know, unless yeah. they've made that, you know, if they're saying it themselves, that's different. But I mean, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So last question. Um, okay. Have you found following Jesus to be worth it? Yes. <laughs> Let me think about that one. You know, is there any other answer a pastor could give? Um, it would be kind so, of odd. It would be kind of odd. Um, let me ask it back to you, and then I might expand on mine. But I want to give you the like: Have you found following Jesus worth it? And and what what would you say is made it worth it? Uh, yes, my answer is definitely yes. Um, and I think like, there's just, there's, there's been a couple of like seasons where like I tried to push Jesus away and, um, and what I just come back to over and over again is just that like life doesn't make sense without him. Like, Mm -hmm. like I just can't, I can't comprehend. I can't enjoy. I can't, I can't live that abundant life. Um, even if the abundant life, you know, has both good, good and bad in it. Like I can't, I, it's just not the same without him. Mm. And so that, that for me is just the, like, I, he's a constant that I, when he's missing, I, I notice it type of a thing. Yeah. And I can look on a longer time frame <laughs> and just sort of see, I don't know what kind of person I would have become mm. if it had not been for Jesus. I, I see now some seeds of some real junk in my heart, like pride that um, God had to pummel me, pummel me with, like, and my interactions with others. And um, I don't, yeah, I think that would have, um, uh, my heart would have grown harder over time too, I believe without Jesus. And I think that's what happens is if you don't let him in, you become more and more um, hardened in your sin. And so in a sense, each year gets harder to, to make that switch. Mm-hmm. Um, though sometimes the, you, you, you experience more of the consequences of sin. You see your need for it more, but um, so yeah. And, and I actually, now I've thought of an answer for one of the ones you asked before is Jesus did talk about the good side of it. And he says, um, he talked about if you leave fa- um, mother or sister or family or houses or job or friends for the sake of the kingdom. Um, and, and here's his answer is great. He says, you know, Rejoice because you will receive 30, 60, or 100 fold in this life. Mm, 
and eternal life in the world to come. So he, he did offer both, right? And that, I don't remember exactly, I think that's like Matthew 10 or 12 or something like that. I'd have to look it up, but, um, and that I've experienced for that matter, like the friendships you have in the body of Christ hmm. and the, the world doesn't have that, you know? So I, I can think of specific blessings in this life where my life is better. Um, let alone the spiritual consolation of, of having Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He is worth it, but it's hard to convince others because the things they think they want are not the things he's always offering. Right. And, and so I even remember in my young life days, like, you know, you would be speaking to teenagers and, you know, what reasons would you give? And, and you do come across as like, life is better with Jesus. Like it, it comes off that way, but you're, you know, even in there, you're trying to say, you know, it's because for teenagers, it comes down to, right. You, you, if you become a Christian, you give up partying and, you know, sleeping with your, your girlfriend or boyfriend, you know, you, you're going to say no to some of the things that, that all your friends are doing. Hmm. You know, what's the motivation and talk about, well, that Christ will love you, um, that you'll have meaning and purpose in your life. Um, you know, so I remember talking, you know, about those reasons and, and they're still true. And I still think adults are looking for somewhat the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think when we can, um, the I don't know it must have just been because you were talking about the partying but it just reminded me of there's a story um so the university chapter I was a part of but years and years before I showed up they had an event where they actually threw a party so it was a non-alcoholic party um just music dancing like good food enjoyment stuff um people were actually having so much fun that the police came and were convinced that there was alcohol involved and like search awesome. the entire place trying to find it and they're like no really there's no alcohol here like this is a christian event there's no alcohol and like <laughs> like i wish that we could like show people that sometimes of the like yeah. yeah like you know we he's not only is he with us when we're down but he's also like he gives us real full joy because we can actually like fully mm. hope and believe and trust and not worry about all the worries of this world and stuff and like just know that he has us in his hands yeah and i mean i experienced that at fellowship events and mm-hmm. you know wednesday night dinners I, I just enjoy seeing people and having dinner together and i mean sunday morning of course for me is work and, and even for a lot of people we're worshiping it, it is of itself it's a certain thing mm-hmm. but like the events we do together have been great yeah and you do now it's probably harder for someone new to be drawn into that. You got to be in it for a while. Um, so anyways, yeah, I, I'm always thinking about how do you convince people in this world that he's worth it? Um, Cause it is a little different than trying to convince someone who's already said yes to Jesus and just needs, you know, okay, this is going to be tougher than you think. Right. Um, that's sort of what my message was, you know, yeah, I promise it's always going to be easy, but, but don't give up, keep, keep going versus, Hey, there's this guy you need to follow. And Oh yeah. It means you might lose some of the things you think you need. 
cool. Hmm. Yeah, so that's all. Are we done on the, with this week? Yep. Okay. Because I want to make a pitch for the for next week. We're talking on Sunday about baptism, and I'm going to try to hit um, just what what's baptism about, what's it meaning, and if there are questions people have, and you can get them to me before Sunday, I can try to take them up in the sermon itself, or if not, um, because there's all kinds of questions around baptism that we have people have. So I'm looking forward to kind of hitting a little more of a different kind of topic for a Sunday. Cool. I'm excited. <laughs> All right. There you go. All right. Well, as always, thank you, Pastor Mitch. Thanks, Jess.